0: everyone i'm your host natalie dale and thank you for joining us for this episode of ahead of the curve a podcast series produced by the georgia department of transportation where we spotlight the amazing people programs and projects that help make our state's transportation network ahead of the curve commuting oh commuting it's like a It's like a very scary word sometimes, but it doesn't have to be. But it's something most, if not all of us, have done at one point or another in our lives and probably still do a few times a week, if not more. For some, it's a time to listen to your favorite music, podcast, maybe it's ahead of the curve, shameless plug, Uh, radio station, if those still exist. I I feel like I used to listen to radio stations, and now if it's not on dial-up or podcasting or, you know, I know our good friend Mark Aram will disagree. Listen, <laughs> Listen to the radio stations. But for others, it's a time to brainstorm and make your list for the day. Of course, in your head, not on your phone or with your hands. But however you spend this time in your day, did you know that there are resources available to you to make it less stressful? Oh, we could all use less stress in our lives. Maybe even earn some cash. We could all use some more cash in our lives. In today's episode, we are going to dive into Georgia commute options and Livable Buckhead, both of which are programs aimed at making Georgians' lives easier. So we should say thank you. So stick around. We'll keep you ahead of the curve.
1: Real-time travel conditions, construction impacts, lane closures, roadside assistance, these are just a few of the many free features 511 Georgia offers. 511 Georgia is a free navigation and traffic service that can be accessed via mobile app, website, and phone system that provides road conditions 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, including severe weather information to ensure all Georgians arrive safely to their destination. So the next time you hit the road, know before you go. Sign up today for My511 by registering at 5 gaorg or download the app in the Apple or Google Play App Store.
0: welcome back it is no secret georgia has been ranked the best place to do business 10 years in a row yeah. this recognition comes from area development magazine and because of this ranking businesses of all sizes are opening up shock they're flocking to georgia and creating jobs here in the peach state so much so that according to population projections from the governor's office of planning and budget Georgia's population is expected to grow by nearly 1.1 million people, that will bring us to nearly 12.1 million residents by 2033, that is only 10 years away. To put that in perspective, Georgia's population in 2013 was 9.6 million, according to census data. To that same end, in 2033, 9.9 million Georgians will be of driving age. compared to 8.9 million today. That's 1 million more people on our roads in just 10 years and I have to say one of those will be my daughter if she is ever allowed to have a car. These population projections are residential based which provides a foundation for assessing future infrastructure and service needs such as transportation planning, certificate of need, water planning and other publicly funded projects. Today, We're focusing on the transportation planning part of this. Not only do agencies like GDOT use this data when developing our statewide transportation plans and planning and design projects, but this data is also used by organizations like Georgia Commute Options and Livable Buckhead to plan their programs to be as efficient and as beneficial in saving commute times and costs, as well as creating a more sustainable transportation option for commuters. Everything we do here at GDOT and at partner organizations like Georgia Commute Options and Livable Buckhead has a reason and a purpose. And while some of the comments on Facebook might disagree, there's a lot of time and research and energy, among other things, that have gone into these plans that are used to develop strategic approaches to enhancing mobility and safety in communities across the state. So we have two wonderful guests here today to discuss that. I'm going to start with you jill goldberg with georgia commute options introduce yourself tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got to work with georgia commute options
1: absolutely thank you natalie i'm jill goldberg i'm currently the program administrator and the marketing communications director for the georgia commute options program which is a program that's funded through gdot and managed by the atlanta regional commission which is where i currently work But through my entire career, I've pretty much always worked around transportation. I spent 10 years here at the Department of Transportation, and I spent about 10 years before that in economic development, where transportation is a key factor in getting companies to relocate here and helping to make Georgia one of the best states for business. So I just have a long history in it, it's fascinating, we all use transportation, even if you stay home and get your stuff delivered to you, you use transportation. You might not think you do, but you do, so we need it. Um, so that's really, really where I started and how I got to where I am.
0: I, I joke a lot, or I joke for you out in here, that we've been talking Georgia commute options for at least a decade, just you and I together. But you make a great point, especially during the pandemic. People thought, well, I'm not making a trip. I'm not going out to get food. But the food's still showing up at your door, so that trip was still being made. And so there's still a lot of trips that have happened and they've continued to evolve. Talk to us a little bit about the Atlanta Regional Transportation Demand Management Plan and how Georgia Commute Options uses that in making its decisions, developing its plan.
1: Absolutely. So the Transportation Demand Management Plan is a requirement that it be updated or totally redone every few years. And we most recently took up the last version of that over the past about 20 months. It was approved by the committees at the ARC and then ultimately by the ARC board in May of this year. So it's brand new, but the reason to do that is to help us look at changes that are coming into the region. You mentioned the increase in population that we know we're gonna be seeing. The 20 county area that we focus in, in the Metro Atlanta region is expected to carry the brunt of those additional residents that are gonna be coming here. And all of that just makes it necessary for us to look at what we're doing, look at what's important, look at new innovations that are out there, new trends that are happening. Through the pandemic, we saw a lot more deliveries, as you mentioned, so freight is increasing, but we also saw things happening like, transport by bike there are now electric bikes that have uh, cargo areas on them and people are getting food delivery that way but they're also getting packages throughout the city on those electric bikes and we've just seen a lot of changes over the time something that really also came to light during the pandemic was some of that disparity between the essential workers and their commute needs versus the needs of your typical white collar office workers Uh, Who have more flexibility and the systems are more aligned with their traditional working time frames, whereas our other workers might get off at midnight. So it makes it necessary to have a review, to refresh things, to talk to different stakeholders, to get new input, and to incorporate fresh ideas and maybe new ways of doing things so you can stay relevant.
0: And so the basis sort of educate our listeners who aren't aware of Georgia Commute Options. I think many probably are because they are in our industry. But for the listener who is just learning about Georgia Commute Options, what is Georgia Commute Options? What does it offer to both employers and employees?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Georgia Commute Options is a program that really focuses in on trying to work with people to not drive by themselves in a vehicle. So we try to eliminate the use of a single occupant vehicle on our roadways. If we can, encourage people to take transit, uh, work with even kids going to school to bike or walk if they can. We work with employers and business parks, office complexes on setting up things like bike rooms. We can analyze where their employees are coming from. We work with a lot of organizations and different partners throughout the region that might be able to offer that last-mile connectivity that a lot of people need. Maybe they can take the bus or the train to a certain area, but they can't get to their job site from there. And then that last, you know, mile or two in the dark without a sidewalk can be critical between them making it to work or not making it. So we try to look at everything that we can to just really – decrease the number of single occupant vehicles on our roadways while increasing the options that people have for commuting or getting to work getting to their needs for the day whatever that might be we like to educate on different options and you can incentivize that We definitely can. So we have a variety of incentives. We're currently reviewing those as well and making some updates to them. But we have things for carpoolers. We have incentives for people that might have been driving by themselves to work that wanna try an alternative like transit or carpooling even biking and walking is in there and of course teleworking is a great option for people to try a lot of people have done that over the past few years but definitely they can maintain that or try it for the first time and they can be incentivized for that so we have lots of options that people can take advantage of and earn a little bit of money
0: several years ago when we worked together and we were talking about georgia commute options as part of our conversation and talking about teleworking pre-pandemic it was still sort of uh, you know, people raised an eyebrow and how would we set that up and how, how much did the pandemic sort of increase the usage of the Georgia Commute Options Program and sort of really shove it into the future where it needed to be?
1: It dramatically increased the amount of telework that was being done. We all hit that day, especially in Georgia, where the governor requested that people take a break don't come to offices, let's try to down the symptoms and the spread and everything from the pandemic. And people had to turn to teleworking as a means to continue business. If we had not had that element that spurred it, we would not be where we are today with teleworking. It definitely is an option that was accepted, but not widely used, but due to the pandemic situation, it became not only accepted, widely used, but expected. By people so it needs to be worked into most people's employment and people ask for it they want it our surveys show it and most employers offer some version
0: so you have programs that promote sort of the increased
1: use of transit when
0: available the increased use of carpooling and van pooling when available the increased usage of teleworking but also we certainly get asked a lot about walking and biking y'all
1: recently had biketober which is part of the program talk a little bit about that We did. We had Biketober. This was the uh, 11th year of it, actually, and we had a 25 percent increase in participation this year, which was amazing and wonderful. We also partnered with uh, Streets Alive to help get the word out within the city of Atlanta, but we work with all the 20 counties on that. We did programs at local schools. We did programs with all of our TMA partners, which Denise, here today, is also one of those that had a lot of events focused around that. Another place that we saw a huge increase for this year was in those transport deliveries by bike. 15% more of those trips were recorded this year during Biketober. Biketober's been so successful for us that we're going to look to expand with a new program in May and we're gonna get the word out to more Georgians. We have things like bike maintenance classes, riding with a buddy. If you're not used to riding on a street and you might be a little bit afraid or nervous about riding to work, you can get a buddy that'll help you go through it once or twice and just give you that comfort level. Uh, We also have you know, just bike training classes and what to do. So we, we try to think of everything. When we're getting ready for a promotion like Biketober to make sure that we're providing the education and the tools necessary to give people a comfort level. And if you ride for fun now, maybe you'll really consider it as a commute option later.
0: What do you say to people who say, well, there's just there's not the infrastructure for biking. There's not the infrastructure for walking.
1: Yeah. The infrastructure's growing and we see it everywhere in our region. Uh, There are more trails and bike lanes and sidewalks and everything is being put in and places to lock up bikes and bike rooms for storage if you're riding it to work and even shower rooms, everything that you would need to actually use it to commute, but it's growing. It's not a fast fix, but the amount of new facilities that are there for bikers, for walkers, it's constantly growing. We're seeing it expand, and we are on a good path with that, and I think the next decade will show tremendous growth in that. You referenced Denise, which we, we have not introduced
0: yet, so this is a perfect time to do that. So we are also joined by Denise Starling. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to be where you are today.
2: Great. Well, thanks for having me here today. I'm excited to uh, talk transportation. We, we are always all, excited to talk transportation. We can geek out together. woo um, I'm Denise Starling. I'm the executive director of Livable Buckhead, and we have been around since 2010, and our mission as an organization is basically the transportation parts of things that uh, Jill has talked about, but we are all about Buckhead, and everything we do is keeping Buckhead sustainable for the future. So the definition of sustainability really is different depending on who you talk to, and for us it's a community definition. So we're looking at everything from Bike Tober building out trails and bikes, so we have that infrastructure that Jill referenced earlier, to all of the different things from energy to housing, all different pieces of the equation to keep people able to get around. Traffic is one of the biggest challenges for us, much like anybody else in the
0: room, but uh, that's one of the things we're dealing with regularly. And you're trying to solve a multitude of transportation problems for a very compact community but has a lot of commuters coming into it. Um, And that's a challenge for many of the different things. Talk about the challenge for both addressing the needs of those who live in Buckhead and those who work in Buckhead but may not live there.
2: Well, it's kind of amazing. We actually did a study not too long ago that identified that 92% of our workforce comes in from somewhere else every day. That's incredible. And 92% of our residents leave to go somewhere for work every day. So picture that, the entire community just flip-flops. And so there's a traffic problem right there. And you touched on it perfectly. We've got a really big range of the different things we need to do because a lot of the people coming into the community can't afford to live in Buckhead and can't afford to be near those jobs. So we're looking at things like bringing in housing subsidies to make that a possibility for them we also have folks who are coming to, you know, high-end jobs who want to be able to not sit in traffic the whole time but they're not necessarily going to take traditional options. So we're dealing with a wide range of people, you know, anyone can tell you why they don't want to do something different. So we've got the whole spectrum of people of when it comes to childcare, you know, just don't wanna want to be in my cool car, you know, every single thing we're trying to take down all of those different reasons why people just choose to sit in their car by themselves
0: and I used to live in Buckhead and I was one of those people who sat in my car by myself (laughs) and what's interesting to me is and I'm going to ask you to read minds one of my favorite questions working at GDOT is why does 85 and 75 come together in the middle of the city well I didn't make that decision personally (laughs) and, and a lot of people that are still in this building didn't make that decision and so it's sort of a read mind thing but you would think because of the compactness of Buckhead, and because of everything that's going on there sort of morning, noon, and night, there's always something going on, that there would be more options, that it would have sort of been built in. How has Buckhead sort of transitioned? How have you seen the need, and why wasn't it originally done?
2: It has totally changed over the last couple of decades. It's amazing
0: because Buckhead actually started
2: off as a suburb. That's where all the doctors went and had their fishing houses and things like that before when they lived in town. And over time, it's kind of moved from this, you know, fishing camp to a sleepy suburb, to then the southeast regional shopping mecca, to then we had 400 come in. And so that opened it up for development and became an employment center with no real housing in the middle of it. And then we got all the housing. So now we're basically a 24 seven mini city all by ourselves. And so that adds a whole new level of challenges. And I think it's that, you know, we're always in this retrofit mindset and that's harder. You know, if we, I wish we'd thought right. of all these things to begin with. I'm sure we wish we'd have thought of
0: it. Yes. Yeah. We can all be Monday morning quarterback. I mean, exactly. it's, it is what it is. Um, and so it's probably an unfair question, but you know, it's, it's something people probably wonder. It's tough. The good thing, we were thinking ahead when it came to MARTA. That's one of the
2: things. We've got great MARTA access. We have three different stations that serve the whole Buckhead area. And that's, that's something you don't normally see. So we're lucky in that uh, regard. But where we're really challenged is we don't have a grid. We've got basically Peachtree and Piedmont. And there's not a whole lot of other options to get around. And 400. Coming up the middle. (laughs) Yep, so there's not, you know, you don't really have a whole lot of other ways. So like when we're doing transit and doing things to get you off the street, then you're sitting in the same traffic. So that lack of a grid really is a challenge for us that a lot of other communities don't have.
0: And I know Buck Shuttle, which I think originated around 2003, was an innovative strategy for that last mile aiding in the last mile that Jill was talking about, that last mile connectivity. But it has sort of gone through its own changes and needs um, and now where does that sort of, um, and for those who are not familiar with what the Buck Shuttle was, if you, you want to explain that and sort of what sure. the last mile connectivity strategies are now in Buckhead. Yeah, Jill touched on the importance of the last mile connectivity. It's
2: like we can get to the transit station, but then what? You right. know, not all the office buildings are right there. They're a good half mile away, which you know, we're all well, we're not wearing heels necessarily today, but when you're in your heels dressed for work, you don't really want to get sweaty necessarily watching. Not every to the day office. is sunny in 70. I mean exactly. it's exactly exactly. Exactly. And so we really need to look at those ways to get people to the office. And so for the trips that are close by, that's pedestrian infrastructure. Yeah, you, know, you definitely focus on that. But the ones that are a little further than that, out of that sort of comfort level of walking, that's where the buck really comes into play. And we started it back in 2003. It was actually the reason I was hired was to start that shuttle system. It was my first born. And Buck Shuttle. <laughs> yes. There should be like a little, little <laughs> asterisk. Yep. It's my, my baby. Um, so we got it started and it was at the time it was totally cutting edge. Nobody was doing that. It wasn't, you know, you have transit providers you didn't do local transit and so for us to take that on and hire that service and provide it ourselves was definitely you know like what are you doing are you crazy and so we um, did that as a fixed route service initially so that means you know you've got specific stops it goes only in certain places it's on a set route you have to figure out how to ride it Um, And because of not having a grid, it was a little hard to make it work. We had to do, you know, a clockwise route and a counterclockwise route so you could get around on it. And um, we originally had federal funding for that, which was great because when you have a community improvement district like we do, they're all about leveraging their dollars. So they want to see where they're doing the local match on a project and getting money back in return after three years that money was gone and so it became more of a hundred percent locally funded situation which just you know there's an opportunity cost for that and so we continuously sort of tried to cut costs tried to cut costs kept going and we kind of whittled away at it and back in just before the pandemic we were like you know okay we need to look at something different there's technology you know uber and lyft were kind of getting their legs and everything was good and we're like starting to hear about some new technology on the transit side called microtransit and essentially if you think of that as uber for transit then that's what it is and so we actually before the pandemic had the whole service designed we're ready to go we had our uh, launch date of April 1st 2020 oh no <laughs> yeah I thought it was real clever picking that date you yeah, know how ironic. So y'all all know what happened then. Something else picked that date too. It was called a global pandemic. Sure did. So needless to say, we had to shelve those plans. So then towards September, looking at it again, it's like, oh, everything's getting good again. We set our launch date again and bam, you know, COVID rears its head again. So third time we ended up resetting the date. We actually went through with it. So we launched that in, it was April actually of this past year. And it's been really successful. And it's amazing because what we're able to do is with roughly the same money, we can serve the whole area now. And you can do any trip you want to in the area. It's not just from the set routes that we have on the system. So that makes it where residents can ride it to get around to shop. You can go to restaurants, you can go can still do the last mile connectivity and that's actually still free. But now we are able to charge a fare of three bucks to do any other trip within the area. So it's a tremendous new system. We're super, super excited with it. And it's um we have over five thousand people who have downloaded the app and made their accounts. And so, you know, it's really we're continuing
0: to ramp up ridership. It's growing every month. So I mean it's brilliant fun. because we are now a we, we are a society of on-demand. Yep. I want to watch all my shows when I want to watch them. You know, I want my food at my door. Want, so how do you, you translate transit into a on-demand service? And y'all are, you're there. But you were actually there before. We'll give you credit for being yeah. years ahead. <laughs> because, and just a little, little snagged up by COVID. But... But congratulations. But there's other great things going on. I know, personally, Path 400 has a, you know, great place in our heart at the department because we work it into our projects. And you were out recently on the 285-400 site looking at the extension that's part of that project for Path 400. But tell, do you think everyone in Buckhead knows that they have this in their backyard? No. They, they should. There's still tell a it. lot of people that live under rocks. I'm Learn convinced. now. This is <laughs> what, we're an education, we're an educational platform. Teach teach us
2: exactly it's it's amazing how much you can talk about something and people still you have to show them how to use it and create reasons for them to come out you know that's what events and programming are all about is you know oh hey llamas are cute oh they're on path 400 let's go see them you know that's yoga on path
0: 400 (laughs) here i come
2: exactly and that's where you know you really have to get creative to you know to bring that audience out and we're having a lot of fun doing that but we're also still in major construction so the project started i think our first section we built in 2013 it was identified as a plan in 2011 and so it's been going gangbusters it's about a 28 million dollar project so it's not small and it goes essentially from armor yards down where we're, the belt line is going to connect to us and then goes up through the commercial core of buckhead basically hugging the highway all the way up to where I'm so excited with that tour this week of the 285-400 interchange. It's really there. So we're actually going through the middle of that and getting from ITP to OTP.
0: I love the initial questions we got when those project plans came out. They're like, there's a path through the interchange. And you're like, (laughs) I mean, it's not through, it's not, you're not, they're not walking. It's not a, it's not a dedicated lane for pedestrians, but it is it is a dedicated lane for pedestrians.
2: It's pretty incredible. It actually feels nice. I was surprised about how good of a job they've done with designing it because it, you know, you are right there with all the traffic, but it still feels really nice. What is usage like? How do y'all track? So, of course, you know, just in time for the pandemic, all of our trail counters died. So, uh, really have not a whole lot of idea. It tends to be, you know, when it's Great outside, that's when people are out. At the end of the day, you see folks doing their getting their afternoon jogging. You see it at lunch too. We have a number of folks who are regulars that they'll do their circuit during lunch hours. So it's strong, but it's also still not crazy busy. So you don't have the issues that you do on the Beltline where you're running into people and those kinds of things. We're more kind of spread out and a little bit more, a little bit more of the natural feel. So It's um, a lot of it, we don't have the same sort of retail development along it. It's a little bit more in backyards, in more areas where it's a little more natural. So it's not that crazy be seen kind of approach
0: that other, other trails are. We talked with Jill earlier about transportation demand management strategies and how that plays into how they do their planning. Also something that you have to take into account.
2: Absolutely, so we're working, as Jill mentioned, we're one of their subrecipients on the regional funding, and so we are constantly working with employers to get their employees, to set basically the culture for their employees to do something different. So in building the infrastructure to help with that, you know it's giving them the actual options to be able to use. So we're promoting the buck as a transit connection. so you can actually get that discounted Marta pass, take transit to work. Um, so that's actually a tremendous support for us because the employers have so much to do with the overall setting the culture. So, You know, that you asked about the pandemic earlier, it's great
0: that now it's expected that you do um, provide remote work. For all the negative things that happened, certainly in this arena, there are positive things. You know, we really sort of advanced transit strategies and the need for and the desire to take it and also the teleworking strategies. Just innovative transportation solutions because people were able to step back and go, okay, we're really going to need these. Not that we didn't know before, but we're really going to need some of these now. Especially on the telework
2: front, we were working with several companies before the pandemic hit, and they were perfectly set to just go right into it. They were like, hey, thank you so much. You got us, you had no idea what you were doing, but you got us set to be able to really just go right in and deal with the pandemic. And that's something, it's interesting watching how companies are doing that now because The biggest thing is you've got to be a good manager, and I think the use of telework has encouraged every manager to learn, really learn how to be a manager. You absolutely
0: have to, and so I think that's one of those silver linings for sure. So much innovation and forward-thinking things going on in Buckhead, as well as innovation and new strategies, new options being developed by Georgia Commute Options. So I hope our listeners certainly learned a lot today about things that they can take advantage of if they're not already. Uh, and if you live, certainly if you live in a community outside of Buckhead, maybe take some of these ideas back to your local, you know, those hyper-local Strategies and initiatives really make a direct impact in your daily life. We can do big things as a state, but these sort of local initiatives are also very, very important. Um, So thank you both for being here. It's a great conversation about wonderful things going on. Thanks for having us. If you have an idea for an upcoming episode or you have a question, please reach out to us at aotc.dot.ga.gov. Again, that's aotc.dot.ga.gov. We will be back next month with another episode of Ahead of the Curve.